Okay, well, it's good to be with you again this morning. Uh, it's quite a distance to come to church, but we are so excited every time. In fact, I would walk to a live Wyndham just to sit amongst your worship. You are richly, richly blessed. This, this worship team are exceptional. And from the minute they, they strike a chord, you, you tangibly can just feel the blessing of God. So I want to say thank you to the worship team for giving such a great start to the day. So it's my privilege and my honor to kickstart this series on Romans. I stand in the shadow this morning of many theologians and academics and scholars who over centuries have unpacked Romans 8, this wonderful passage of Scripture written by Paul in the winter of A.D. 57-58. to 58. He wrote it over that winter period while he was in Corinth to the saints, to the Christians in Rome. Quite incredible. And uh, as, as we, we come to this now, this series of Rome, our senior pastor Stuart will introduce it to us. Have we got that, guys, at the back ready? And, uh, and then I will come hot on the trail of Stuart. Hello everyone. Today we begin our new series, Life in the Spirit. We will look at Romans chapter 8, which has been referred to as Paul's Pentecost. The whole of this chapter shows us various aspects of the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit. You may remember last year we took a number of weeks talking about the Holy Spirit, and this series builds on that teaching. Today's talk is a life of freedom in the spirit. God wants us to walk in freedom and true freedom can come to us by discovering life in the spirit. Let's enjoy being together today as we learn more from this important chapter in the Bible. Have a great day. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. Okay, so the statement is quite clear, life in the Spirit. We're not in a situation this morning where we are waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. The Holy Spirit has been sent. It's therefore logical for us to be in a position where we receive. Then you know my story in life every morning, as with this morning, first thing I do when I wake up, thank God I'm alive. So important. I hope that's catching with you guys. It's very important to thank God for life. But also, the second thing is, I asked the Holy Spirit to take my life that day and to use it however he wants. I don't want you to respond, but I can tell by your facial expressions. Are you a happy, clappy Christian? Or are you in that situation where you're saying, God, no matter how tough my life is, I believe that you are God and you can help me. For every one of us in here, we have our highs and lows of life. 
me included. For every one of us, we have our pressures of life, me included. Every one of us in here have experienced at times where financially we've been strapped, maybe, and other times there's been excess. That includes me. But the reality is, on every one of those mornings when I've woken up, I've said, come Holy Spirit and help me today. And I want to live my life, and please God, I do, live my life in the whole dynamic of the Holy Spirit of God touching my life. But I... This sounds crazy, but I, Mark Hutton, have to give the space, the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to do that. It's not for me to sit on a chair and wait for the Holy Spirit to come. The Holy Spirit has been sent. It's for me to receive. And I want us this morning, as I unpack something from Romans 8, to be in a place where we say, God, when the moment comes at the end of, of this talk by Mark, where he says, come Holy Spirit, and there's absolute silence in the building. I want you, Holy Spirit, to come to me. Okay? So that's my intent this morning. I'm going to share with you for a few minutes. And then I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. And those who want to receive where you're standing or sitting, I'm expecting the Holy Spirit to come and touch your life. That's why I'm living. I'm loving life, particularly over the last few years, as I've shared with you before. I'm experiencing the dynamics of the Holy Spirit out in community, out in shops, out in the workplace, out in garages, and all sorts of situations which I hadn't been experiencing before because I said to the Holy Spirit, would you come and be with me and take control? And it is incredible. Lives have been saved because of the Holy Spirit speaking to me. Now, that sounds quite a big statement to make. But I can say to two people this morning who are alive today because of a nudging of the Holy Spirit to me professionally. And they've been in hospital and sorted out. One even flatlined twice as he was in A&E. Now, these are pretty big statements to make, but I want us to just really catch afresh. This is the reality of a faith in God. This is a reality of a God who is alive, a God who sent Jesus to make all the difference to our lives and also sent the Holy Spirit. I will send the comforter. I will send the Holy Spirit. I've never been likened to a windmill before. But this is brilliant. Because we are like this. And for every one of us, we need the breath of the Holy Spirit to blow over us. When the Holy Spirit blows over our life, our lives take on a completely different dynamic. A windmill is just a few struts of metal or plastic on a stick. We're seeing many of these stuck in fields and in the sea around our nation now. Pretty much bigger than this. But all they are are lumps of metal, lumps of plastic with wires attached. But when something happens that we know as wind, the sails blow round and power is created. Power is created. Can I say that again? Power is created. And there's not one of us in this building this morning, Sam, Josh. (laughs) They all look the same, these lads. I know them all. Josh. 
who can't say we don't need the power of God in our life. We need the blow. We need the wind of the Holy Spirit. If you were to come to my office this morning, you'll see, yes, I do have books in my office, which I thank God for. But two, there's a large section of my office uh, cupboard that is filled with Bibles. They all have a story. I've got one Bible there that uh, I can remember as, as a student in my first year, coming to my final exams. And it was a Sunday before. I was very sinful. I didn't go to church because it was last-minute cramming. But I still wanted my time with God. All I had in the cupboard was some orange squash and some rich tea biscuits. So I had my communion with orange squash and rich tea biscuits and this particular Bible. And God spoke to me. I've got another Bible from my teenage years. I've, I've got my dad's Bible. I've, I've got a Bible uh, owned by a guy called Jimmy Nelson. It used to be carried around Preston in Lancashire on, on, his, uh, on his waste truck. He used to go around sweeping the streets. And this Bible went with him everywhere he went. That Bible has been in homes where people have had cancer. He's prayed for them. They've been healed. He's gone into homes that have been broken. He's gone into situations where there's violence on the streets. He left that Bible to my dad when, when he passed away, and my dad left it for me. I've got my dad's Bible. He's with Jesus now. But the fact that I can open that, I think, wow, how many sermons have been preached out of this? But I've got my mum's Bible. My mum was my greatest encourager in life. She was a chronic asthmatic who was miraculously healed one Sunday morning. And I've got her Bible. You won't see the notes in my mum's Bible. It's a jolly concordance. I don't know how she's fit so much around all the margins and all the things that are in there. But why do we keep them? It's because they represent life to me. And I want to inspire us this morning to catch afresh something of the life that is available to us as Christians. I don't want us to wake up in the morning and think, oh, it's just another day. I want us to wake up to a day of opportunity. How is God going to use us today? We need the Holy Spirit. And Paul here is, is written this fabulous chapter in Romans 8. And uh, hopefully we're just going to find something from it this morning. The Swiss commentator Code pointed out that Romans 8 begins with no condemnation and finishes with no separation. No condemnation finishes with no separation. Another commentator said that in between it stated there's no defeat. No defeat. That's incredible. This isn't anything this morning about positivity in life. It's a clear statement of a God who cares for us. A God who understands. Now, you might be a little bit by me in the history of my life. There have been moments in my life, just like to my natural dad, where I felt God hasn't really understood what's going on in my life. I've had a moan. I've had a groan. I've had a shout occasionally. At God. And say, look at what's going on here. What's going on? But you know, the reality is, as, as I've come to my spiritual senses, and I've said, look, I'm a Christian, God. I believe in you. I'm giving this to you now. Sometimes within minutes, within hours, sometimes it's been days. 
I've seen God sort situations out. Now then, I want that dynamic of a Christian faith, Josh, to be in our lives. I want us to be in the place where when we're on the design board, look at this latest bit of kit that we're putting our intelligence into. That there's something of a nudge of the Holy Spirit there who's saying, take that off, add this on, take that off, add this on. So that in the end we finish with a fine product. I want us in our family situations to know the peace of God, to know the relaxation as parents, as we look at our kids, as we pray over them and say, God, their lives are in your hands. I want those of us who are struggling in our workplace and saying the pressures every day in this place of work, God, I can't put up with this. We arrive at work five minutes early in the morning and quietly we say, come, Holy Spirit of God. Can you imagine if our office places, if our places of industry, if our shops can know that blessing, the blow of the Holy Spirit of God. Our colleagues won't really understand what's going on, but we do because God is touching lives. And this, folks, is the whole ethos. It's the center of Romans chapter 8. Let's read it. It says this, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so condemn sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us. Who do not live according to the flesh but according to the spirit. So let's begin with this. Verse 1 to 4. Paul is writing from Corinth to the church in Rome. About a life of freedom. About a life of freedom. There's some poetic beauty in Paul's writing here. Because we see, as I've stated, it starts with no condemnation. There is now no, there is now no, there is now no condemnation in Christ. And finishes with there is no separation from Christ. The emphasis, you see, on the Holy Spirit is obvious. The Greek word for, for the Holy Spirit here is, is pneuma, which means breath. Breath, which is translated into spirit and soul. And it's important because Paul, as he's writing in his book of Romans, he, he wrote uh, this, this term pneuma five times in verses 1 to 7, eight times in verses 9 to 16. But when we get to Romans 8, he uses this word 21 times in that single chapter. I think Paul is wanting the people, the, the readers of his letter, to really wake up and afresh uh, get an understanding of the pneuma, the breath of God, the ruach, the holy wind of God, the Holy Spirit. When the ruach blows, things really begin to happen. I see in Romans 7 that Paul is referring primarily to, to believers who believe in God but still like the old ways. As a pastor, I meet a lot of people. And I've got to say a lot of people who, who really like 
to be called a Christian, but too, too often like to live their old ways. And I'm not saying that they're not happy places to be. Some, some are. But the reality is, if, if I believe in God, if sincerely I say, God, I want you to take my life, I really have to mean that. And Paul writing in, in Romans chapter 7, is encouraging, he's inspiring people. He's saying, look, would you take God for being God? Would, would you just really grasp God afresh? Would you say, God, I believe in you. You've changed my life. I've given my life to you through the work of Jesus Christ. And I determined not to live my old ways. Then so often, being English or Welsh or Scottish, being British or whatever nationality we are, when when we read scripture so often, we we take it and put our own stamp on it, our our own colour to it, our own emphasis to it, instead of just taking scripture for being scripture. So if God says don't, I believe he means that. See, I like going fishing when I get the opportunity. And if there's a sign that says do not come near edge, deep water. I take that seriously. I don't think it's the time to get me wellies out and think, oh, I'll just paddle into here and see if we can catch more. No, I stay awake. Why? Because it's a warning sign. If I go and see a pylon, have you seen those whacking big signs on pylons? Danger, keep away. Well, it looks a nice climbing frame for some people maybe, but it says danger, keep away. Why? Because it's dangerous. And the warning signs come in Scripture for us of the things to avoid. There are many things in life we can avoid, and there are many things in life that we can accept. If God says avoid it, I'm a daft bat if I don't avoid it. But with that, of course, as we're going to unpack in a minute, there is no condemnation. God has graciously set us free from the sin that bound us, from sin's penalty. And we have power over that through Jesus. So there's three incredible truths that we're going to draw out. Firstly, freedom is eternal and not temporary. Freedom is eternal and not temporary. I don't believe in a part-time God. I don't believe in a God who puts special offers on at 50% off. I don't believe in a God who says, right, okay, you're only going to get 25% of my blessing today. I believe in a God who's full on. I believe in a God who's who's promised in his scripture that I read in many of those Bibles I've got in my cupboard, all meaning different things to me. That when I read Holy Scripture, the dynamic of that scripture is life to me, spirit, soul, and body. I don't want you to respond, but where, where is your Bible today at home? Do you have one in your briefcase to take to work? Do you have one in your car? When was the last time you, you read a chapter even of Holy Scripture? And sat down and said, God, what would you just speak to me? I'm, I'm just going to read this now. Leviticus might be a bit tricky, but anyway, get into it. But the reality is, If we allow God the space, he will speak to us through his scripture. I I love the Bible. 
My dad used to kiss it. Well, I, I couldn't understand where he's at. He'd be preaching partway through, suddenly he'd grab his Bible and kiss it and then carry on. And some people might have thought, What's, no, it's my dad's passion for the scripture. His love of Holy Scripture and what it meant to him. And here, Paul is saying, look, freedom is eternal, it's not temporary. Let me quote somebody far more educated than me. Martin, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, Lloyd one of the greatest preachers, wrote this. There are many who misunderstand Romans 8. They seem to think of the Christian as a man or woman who, if they confess their sin and ask for forgiveness, are forgiven. At that moment, they are not under condemnation. But then, if they should sin again, they are back once again under condemnation. Then they repent and confess their sin again and ask for pardon, and they are cleansed once more. So to them, the Christian is a man or woman who constantly is passing from one state to another, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, condemned, not condemned. Now that, according to the Apostle Paul, is a wholly mistaken notion and a complete failure to understand the position. The Christian is a man or woman who can never be condemned. They can never come into a state of condemnation again because that is the promise of God. The Apostle Paul is not talking about his experience, but about his position, his standing, his status. He is in a position in which being justified, he can never again come under condemnation. That is the meaning of the word no. And that's something important for us to grasp this morning. No condemnation. In accepting Jesus Christ and Lord and Savior of our lives, we are a free people. But we must also be a responsible people. We are a free people, but we must be a responsible person. You may find yourself in here this morning, querying and say, well, I'm a really a Christian. You know, I've done this and I've done that. I'm, I'm a still really a Christian. Yes, you are. But it's right for you to say sorry to God for those things. But it does not take away from you the fact that there is now no condemnation for you in your life. I'm not preaching here sinless perfection. Right? That's the Lord of Hui. Right? We're not into that at all. What I'm talking about is the fact that when we are set free, we are set free. The work of Satan is to detract us, to deter us, to depress us. To push us down, to tell us we're rubbish, to tell us we can't do this, we can't do that. But the word of Jesus Christ, the Bible that God has inspired written through man, states that we are free. There is no condemnation. And no means no. No condemnation. But as we'll see in a few moments, we have to be responsible in our trust and our faith in God. So important. Point two. Freedom is a gift, it's not a reward. We cannot work for our salvation. Some people consider that. I honor and respect them in the beliefs, but they are wrong. Why? Because of the words of Mark No, because it shows us in Holy Scripture. Our freedom comes... Through the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ, God's one and only Son, God as man, Emmanuel, came to pay the price 
for our sin. That is awesome. It's gigantic. It's incredible and impossible so often to put into words how big this is. But freedom is a gift, it's not a reward. So coming back to the point that I illustrated earlier, there is now no condemnation. We have a choice how we live our lives. And it's as simple as this. Josh, I'm going to thump you on your jaw. Some of you find that funny, don't you? Then the thing is, I love this guy. At this moment in time, I have a choice. I either thump him on the jaw or I don't. I wouldn't. But you see, that is illustration where life is at. I'm using the illustration of a thump, okay? I've got a choice to swear and curse my neighbor or not curse and swear about my neighbor. The choice is mine. I have a choice with that person at work who is so irritating they don't wash up their coffee cup in the morning. They leave dirty washing. They have tomato soup for lunch and leave it all over the side of the sink. I have a choice in my life whether to really allow my feelings to dwell up within me for even the tonal qualities of my voice to be changed when I say hello to them in the morning. Or I have the choice to remain as I am and to leave it and walk away. I have a choice to put the right figures on my tax return or to smudge it and put fictitious ones. I have the choice. I have the choice. To speak goodness into my kids that I want them to be blessed and be successful in life. Or I have the choice to tell them they're absolutely naff and rubbish because they're out skateboarding instead of doing the studies. Or whatever we can put on that. I have the choice. And folks, in this second passage here, Paul in Romans 12 is saying, look, freedom is transformational. Uh, that's the third one. Freedom is a gift, okay? It's not a reward. And take it as that gift and use it honorably. Because otherwise, I am this without being that. We're all going to go home and buy a windmill and put it in your garden. These are great for keeping pigeons off your garden. We've got two. Yeah, uh, we've also got a plastic owl, and they do work. What one year when I was doing uh, years ago, Grapevine FM, the radio station uh, at uh, Grapevine, previous to it becoming one event, I appealed on the radio because I was sick and tired of pigeons coming and really messing up our garden. So this guy came on. He said, "What you need is plastic owl," and that was brilliant. But you know, after about six months, they get used to a plastic owl because it doesn't move. But these, they never get used to. So stick some of these up and pigeons will go. Anyway, the fact about it is, right, for us, that's how we've got to be this morning, folks. The thing about it is, it's a gift, it's not a reward. It's putting into practice 
The, the very ethos, the very teaching of Scripture, it's there in black and white with, with red writing, if you've got one of those Bibles that quotes the, the words of Jesus in red. But it's there for us to take, to read, and to apply to our lives. If we do that, I'm making quite a statement this morning, very bold. If we apply the Word of God to our life, that will not fail us. That will not fail us. It's not the words of a bloke like Mark Hutton. It's not the latest DVD. It's not the latest book written by a famous Christian. It's the holy word of God. And if he says, do not do this, we don't do it. If he says, do this, we do it. And therefore, we are blessed. And Paul is just trying to get into the very body, soul, and spirit of the Roman church. There he is writing in Corinth to them, but he's putting his heart and soul in it. But the passion comes out there. But also in Romans 8, he's emphasizing afresh the need for the pneuma, the breath, the breath of God, the Holy Spirit to come. And blow on our lives. And every day when I wake up, I don't want to be just like that. Not that I look like a windmill. But I want to be like that. Sometimes it's like a mighty rushing wind, yes. Sometimes it's just the gentle breeze. But the sails still go around. Whatever our age, however long we've been a Christian, the promises are the same. That There is no difference between any of us. The promises made out in Holy Scripture are there for every one of us. We are equal in the sight of God. We are valued with the life of Jesus Christ. It's a great equalizer. No one's greater. No one's lower. We are equally loved by God. Have you ever thought about what it must be like for God to be singing over us? How many we sometimes could hear I have asked, but not heard so far. Scripture says that God sings over us. I remember when our kids were babies. I've got a really good touch with crying babies. It's probably because Hazel held them most of the time and I just came in and helped. No. But you know, there's something very unique, say at three o'clock in the morning when it's teething time. And your baby is crying its head off. And you begin to sing over your baby and you go to sleep. Why? Because they feel safe. They feel secure. They feel warm. They feel loved. And when that peace comes, the peace of God comes into our life. Something takes place that is amazing. Nobody can rob us of that. Nobody can steal it from us because it is God-given. Thirdly this morning, freedom is transformational. It's not theoretical. My training is science. I'm a pharmacist in the training side. So I like things A, B, C, 1, 2, 3. 
I'm, I'm wired that way. Some people find it an irritation. I don't give a monkeys. That's how I am. But the reality is, I've got to look way beyond what my academic brain is putting into place and look at the reality that God can do things any way he wants. Who am I, mere mortal Mark, to demand that God must do things a week on Tuesday because that's a convenient time for me? Or God must just sort this situation out by Friday because that's the day that I'm saying there's been times I have been demanding to God and say, God, I really need this done by Wednesday. Can you do it, please? And do you know, amazingly enough, he's done some, some things like that by the Wednesday. But who am I to tell God how we should do things? God's timings aren't necessarily our timings. God's seasons aren't necessarily our seasons. And for you younger people, and I say this carefully, right, I am envious of your age because of the opportunities you've got to see God at work in your lives. And for us older ones, for our years and months, decades that we've got left, for us too, to be in a place of saying, God, take every day of my life and use it as you want to use it. Take my life. Let the Holy Spirit blow over me every day. And give me a life that gives me excitement, that gives me fulfillment. That gives me that get up and go that I need every day to face life full on. And to see life richly blessed. True freedom is a transformational obedience to the Holy Spirit. We are transformed by the renewing of our mind. It's as simple as that. Sometimes it's worth getting a blank piece of paper and putting down, if you've got two or three issues in life, just put the issue and underline it and leave space after it. And then go away and come back to that piece of paper and write down your thoughts at that time. So, for example, first word, work. Go away, come back to it. Hacked off. Overworked. Duff boss. Irritant colleague, whatever. And then go away and pray about it for a few days and then say, right, what should be my godly attitude to that situation? So you've written work, you've written about your boss, your colleague, whatever, work of pressure. Then what do you feel God is saying to you about that and write underneath what that is? I will guarantee to you that they will be different, the writings that you put. Why? Because we're inspired and encouraged in Holy Scripture to live God's way. And God's way will make all the difference to the hard times in life.
And I want us this morning to be a group of people in a live window who look afresh at Romans 8 and say, this is incredible. Those who are, who, who are in Christ Jesus can be assured they will not be condemned by judgment. Secondly, liberation from the law of sin and death comes through the law of the spirit of life through Christ Jesus. Thirdly, God did what the law could not do. Through the substitutionary death of his own son, he paid the penalty that the law demanded for our sin. No condemnation, but we can be sanctified by God, by the anointing of his Holy Spirit, by the help of the Holy Spirit in our lives. You may be here this morning and you're saying, well, Mark, I really want that relationship with God you talk about. I want that relationship with Jesus. Well, we have a prayer that we we put up uh, on the screen. And this prayer is something that we can share all together. And then at the end of that, I'm going to ask us to close our eyes, bow our heads. And if any of us have shared that prayer for the first time or are restating it this morning, I want you just to put your hand up because I'd love to come and have a chat with you at the end of the service. And then following that, we're, we're just going to, I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. And then we're just going to have a few minutes of silence. Okay, this is so the worship team can be blessed as well. And we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. And in my prayer times, I've been asking God, I say, God, when we, when we come to that time, send your Holy Spirit. For some, you'll say, Mark, I felt absolutely nothing. You may feel it on Tuesday or Wednesday, but believe me, I have total confidence that as we ask this morning, the Holy Spirit will touch, some instantly, the Holy Spirit will touch your life in whatever way. But this is a morning of empowerment. This is a morning of of application. This is a morning for God to bless our lives. So could we have the prayer up on the screen, please, guys? That would be great. So let's share this together, and then uh, we'll close our eyes. So, dear Lord Jesus, I need you. I need your grace to forgive me and your love to change me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Please forgive me for the sin in my life. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. With your help, I will live my life for you. Amen. Let's just close our eyes. If anybody has shared that prayer for the first time, I just want you to show me now. Just raise your hand so I know I can come and have a chat with you. Anybody in the venue this morning? Or are we saying that again? That's fine. So for the rest of us now, we're going to have a few minutes of, of quietness. I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to come, and I just want you to be receptive to the Holy Spirit. So, Holy Spirit, I ask you to just come now. Come, Holy Spirit. Your way.
as you have received be greatly blessed. May every day be a day enriched by the Holy Spirit, blessed by the love of God, and inspired by the work, by the sacrifice that Jesus has made for you. Let God's holy word find a resting place in your life and be transformed by the renewing of your mind and fulfilled in the purposes of God is called you to fulfill. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen.